Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish con Salsa Podcast, the show for Spanish learners that love music, travel, and culture. Close your grammar textbooks, shut down the language apps, and open your ears to how Spanish is spoken in the real world. Let us show you how to go from beginner to bilingual. Here is your host, certified language coach, Tamara Marie. Hola y bienvenidos al episodio 59. Welcome to episode 59 of the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast. In this episode of the podcast, I am interviewing Mari Salvestrini, and she is a polyglot who speaks several different languages. She is originally from Venezuela, and she currently lives in the Netherlands. She's a language coach, and she shares content on her YouTube channel every week about how to learn a language effectively, how to create the right habits, and also how to enjoy the process while you learn. Uh, we cover so many different things in this conversation, but because Mari is from Venezuela, um, I've asked her to share with us not only some tips about language learning, but also some uh, characteristics of Venezuelan Spanish. So as you know, um, I really am interested in different cultures and dialects, and I like to expose you all uh, on this podcast to conversations that will give you some more insight into Latino culture and not just the language itself. So we will be talking a little bit about Venezuela and some uniquely Venezuelan words that you will only hear in the country. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mari. Let's get started. Thank you, Mari, for taking the time to join me on the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I know we've been trying to get this together and coordinate um, for a little bit, so I really appreciate your time. Um, and I always like to have different people to just kind of share their language learning experience, because for some of my listeners who are thinking about, you know, becoming fluent in Spanish, they're trying and they're not really there yet. It can be inspiring to hear from someone like you who's already uh, learned different languages. And we'll talk about that in a second. So I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on. Uh, so if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about you and how you got started with language learning. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Mari. I am originally from Venezuela, but at the moment I'm living in the Netherlands. I started learning languages. Actually, it wasn't my choice. My mom sent me into a bilingual school and that's how I started. I also have Italian family, so I was interested in many different cultures because I was exposed to it. And then as an adult, I decided to keep learning languages and that's when I learned Dutch, Portuguese, and further uh, Italian. Okay, so you have a family that's uh, from Italy as well? Yes, my grandfather was from Italy, so we have some of the traditions um, on my father's side. Okay, and I heard you say that it wasn't your choice to go to the bilingual school, so it's something that your parents uh, sort of enforced. And I know um, some of the friends I have that are in the U.S. and maybe they're trying to raise their children uh, to be bilingual, that sometimes children can be resistant to the idea. They want to speak the community language. They don't want to be seen as odd or different. So did did you struggle with that growing up? Were you, um, were you open to the idea at the beginning or was learning languages something that you sort of slowly had to grow to love over time? So when I, when I started with English, I was only two years old, so I was not very conscious, but my mom always tells me that I didn't like it because I couldn't understand, um, but I was learning. So then when I was around five years old, my mom took me to Disneyland, to Walt Disney World in Florida. 
and I heard English being talked and you know in order to talk to all the characters like the Little Mermaid and everything I had to speak English so I think that's when I started realizing what a language was and that's when I started being interested in languages because I saw that it was useful so I always tell parents like if you show your kid why they're learning the other language and you give them a valid reason they will be motivated. Yeah, that was kind of genius on your mom's part to involve the the Disney characters, right? So you'd be yes. <laughs> naturally motivated. It wasn't like she's trying to force you to learn grammar. She's just like, do you want to talk to uh, the Little Mermaid or whatever? Yes, yes. She speaks English. <laughs> she also bought me a Backstreet, Backstreet Boys album and I started learning the lyrics. So I just, I, it was just <laughs> hilarious, the whole experience. Um, but it really it really helped me to to understand why it was important to learn more languages. And uh, so you mentioned the Backstreet Boys. So did, did music play a role in your language learning at all? Or was it just sort of that that one uh, you know song that you were trying to learn? Or did you continue to use music as you learned other languages as well? Oh, I, I've always been super interested in music. I've, I've always been a musical person. So it's always been a role. I cannot learn a language without music. That's the first thing I do when I start learning a language. I search for the music. If I don't like the music, it's way harder for me to learn. I'm super motivated by music. Wow, yeah, and it is funny too because that's been um, part of my experience and really how I got into learning Spanish um, was through salsa music and just kind of wanting to know what were people saying and being involved in the dance community as well is something that really just pushed me um, naturally to learn because I wanted to know. So um, and when I started learning Portuguese, I did something similar because I love samba and I was really trying to learn um, the <laughs> dance, which was uh, hopeless for me. I can't dance samba at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's real difficult. <laughs> it is. My hips do not do what, what they are supposed to do with samba, but I still love the music. And uh, there's a song Magalena I really like. So when I went to Brazil, that was another thing that really uh, kind of drove me as well as like really getting into some uh, music from Portuguese as well. So very cool. Yeah, I always like to ask that because I've had several people on the podcast and they all mention music in some way. And I feel like it's almost like the best kept secret of language learners because is that something people talk about a lot? They take it for granted. Like, oh, yeah, I listen to music because it's like breathing. But it really can help you when you're trying to learn a language, especially with some of the sounds and some of the subject matter that might be particular to that culture. Yes, and it has many many aspects like the culture but also the grammar because musics are like poems so they have like grammatical tenses that you will not normally hear when you're speaking and that you have to learn as well so I think it's very interesting music overall to learn languages and it's fun it's that's the most important it's so much fun do you have any other tips for um for someone how many languages do you speak again you mentioned a Dutch Italian obviously you speak Spanish English um, um Portuguese and a little bit of German German. Okay. So for, for someone who might be listening to you going, oh my God, I'm just trying to learn one language, right? Like I'm just trying to learn Spanish. Um, what are some of the tips that you would give that you feel have worked for you no matter what language that you that you've picked up? Um, what are some of those, those principles that you've noticed that have been consistent uh, throughout your acquiring different languages? So I figured that I'm only successful when I focus on the day-to-day and not the big end goal because it's not, you know, fluency is not like a, like something that you can see or something that's tangible. It's not something that you know either when you have it. So um, I'd rather not focus on that, but just focus on enjoying every single time I'm exposed 
um, to the language and just be consistent. So it's just a matter of like enjoying every day and being consistent every day. Yeah, and I think, you know, finding what can, what you can do consistently, I think is also important yes. because people are always looking for that next hack or like the shortcut or, well, what do you do? Tell me what you do, which is, which is great. I mean, you want to learn from people who've done it before, but I think most of us, you know, do better when we experiment on our own and we find out what works for us. And if it's something that you can do consistently, you'll make much more progress, even if it's not the perfect strategy. So Yes, so um, it's, it takes a lot of trial, trial and error to figure out what it is that works for you. I tried it absolutely all. And my focus right now, and, and it's been for at least a year, is just focus on creating like language learning habits. So what I will do is that I will make sure that every morning as I wake up, I read in a foreign language. Um, or every time that I cook, I listen to music in foreign languages. And that like little exposure throughout the day helps me progress. And then I also try to speak as much as I can. Um, I speak on my own in my house. I will explain how I'm cooking. I will explain, I will talk to myself out loud. And that somehow will help in confidence <laughs> and in just like um, pronunciation as well. Yeah, I always say, like, if you haven't practiced on your own first, it can be really intimidating when you get in front of a native speaker of that language and you try to start talking for the first time. <laughs> so practicing on your own, I think, is really helpful. And um, one thing I do, you're mentioning, like, habits. And I was thinking about um, something that I started to do with Spanish, which helped me in my vocabulary, too. It's like anytime I go to the store and I had to write a list, I would always do it in Spanish. So I would learn, like, what all my favorite foods were you know, <laughs> were yeah. called because I would do things like that, which is, you know, takes maybe five minutes. But, you know, like you said, it's like having those habits so that you, you have exposure to the language on a day-to-day -day basis. So, yeah, yeah so. exactly. Planning your day as well in your target language. It takes a little longer, but at the end you reinforce vocabulary that you will use because it's vocabulary about your life. Right, right. And I think people discount that. Like, I, I know um, I was in a forum earlier as a Facebook forum on language learning and someone was asking a question like, well, you know, I'm going to have this language exchange coming up and oh, I don't know what to talk about. You know, what, what are some topics that I could talk about? And someone responded like, well, you know, talk about the weather. And they were like, but the weather's boring, you know, and it's, and it's like, so the response is kind of back and forth. But she says, yeah, but the weather can be a springboard to so many other conversations. Like, you know, do you like the summer? Do you like the spring? Do you think it's too cold? Like that can kind of start getting you going in a conversation. But most people kind of discount very, very basic things because it sounds boring. But it's actually very useful because most of our conversations aren't, you know, very deep philosophical <laughs> conversations. Yes. There's so many day to day things that we have to learn in another language that we take for granted that we can do in our native language. So I think it is a good idea to kind of get some of those day-to-day -day things down that we might, you know, again, we'll discredit, but those things are very important when you're trying to express yourself and talk to people. Yeah, and if you have a plan or a dream to go one day to the country where the language is spoken, that's the things you're going to talk about. You're not going to meet a stranger and be like, you know, talk about politics right away. Like, it's not the case or talk about any deep subject you're going to talk about most likely the weather <laughs> right <laughs> and what you ate and you know what you visit so i think that's that's very important vocabulary to have and like you said it it becomes something else later so exactly and so okay so we're going to switch gears since you talked about visiting 
uh, different countries to learn language. Now, I personally love to travel, but I do know that to become fluent in a language, you don't have to go to that place and live there necessarily. There's a lot you can do um, before you even travel to prepare yourself, whether you're thinking about, you know, just taking a trip or relocating one day uh, to a foreign country. There's so much work that you can do before you get there. And um, one thing I always tell people is that, especially with Spanish, because I think, and you can attest to this, um, Mari, that people think Spanish is Spanish and they kind of go, oh, it's sort of, Spanish is the same. You know, unlike other languages that have these variations, Spanish is just Spanish wherever you go. Um, but I found that not to be the case, right? <laughs> for me, for me, especially because the music I like is from the Caribbean, right? Like, so listening to someone from Cuba, Puerto Rico is very different than someone from Spain or from Mexico. So um, I always tell people to focus on a country of origin, right? Like I always tell people like pick a type of Spanish you want to learn. Even if you want to pretend that you're a native speaker of, of Spanish, where would you want to be from? Right. So I always go through like, what are the differences between different dialects of Spanish? Because I think that they're interesting and I think that can also be helpful. Um, so since you're from Venezuela, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what's different about the Spanish from your country and and sort of what are some of the, the differences, not only in like the accent, but also some of the words that you might hear in Venezuela that you don't hear anywhere else? It's very interesting, the differences. First of all, I, I constantly struggle speaking with other native speakers like from Spain or other countries because um, most of the times they don't understand me. And Venezuelan Spanish is very curious because it is in the Caribbean. So we, more to the north, we have a lot of Caribbean dialects and Caribbean like intonation. But like if you go to the south, it's completely something else. Um, it's more like Colombian or more like even Portuguese. So, um, and with the immigration, we had tremendous amounts of immigration from Europe and um, Arabic countries. Um, and also the Caribbean, so we have like a mix of languages within our own. So it's it's very interesting, and um, I think it's actually very helpful to learn Venezuelan Spanish right now because like there are so many Venezuelans leaving the country and they're moving everywhere. So it's more likely that you will find a Venezuelan in your city um, if it's a big city um, at the moment, especially in the United States. If you go to Miami, it's like. I don't know, like 20% Venezuelans at the moment. So, um, yeah. So one of the phrases that normally gets misunderstood is pedir la cola, which is like ask for a lift. But cola also means like but for other people. So every time we say something like, mm, like, me puedes dar la cola? Like, can you give me a lift? People are so confused. Like, what does that even mean? Like, it's, we don't know each other that well. What do you try to say, right? So it's, I think it's very interesting um, to see something that for us is so innocent. For others, can sound like really like weird or almost like dirty. Um, and it's just like, we just want to lift. Um, so it's very funny when you realize those things. We have um, also some words that come from English because we used to have a lot of like um, some immigration from the from the United States um, because of the petroleum. I don't know if that's the name. Um, yeah, and um, one of those um, we, we will used to have like all of these like instruction manuals and all of that in English. So there is this one that I found very interesting that is echarle pichon, which is actually pichon comes from pushan 
and it means like keep going forward or like moving forward like echar pepichón is like really work towards something bigger and what else do we have here oh yeah um echar sin palo is one of it's it's like every man in venezuela will say this it means also like it means like um take go for a drinks but it literally means like throw a stick So that's also very confusing for other Spanish speakers because it's like they have no idea what that could mean. Yo, where does that come from? Like, what is the correlation of like throwing a stick? Because um, un palo was a it was the name of the currency that they will give um, workers in Venezuela. Oh, okay. So okay. you'll throw one of the currency. Um, There's like expending it. That's what a beer cost. So that's uh, okay, okay. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, and one of my favorites. It's um, it's a little long, but it's like llegar a freír tequeños. So tequeños is a type of food. It's like a cheese covering dough. And um, when just we say that is when someone comes super early. So you come too early to the party that you came to prepare this type of food and that this one's very common actually I, I say it a lot um like oh llegaste a freír tequeños you came too early to the party and as you know Latinos we are not normally or socially the most on-time people so um, <laughs> it will be very common for a foreigner to come early and they will hear this phrase for sure <laughs> yeah that's funny because I think I, I keep wondering like what culture is on time because every I feel like every culture I learn about not just Spanish-speaking culture um, but black culture in the U.S. or like when I've traveled I've heard it from like my um, I have some co-workers also from India and they have like this like similar kind of thing about Indian time and then there's black time and there's this time there's Latino time I'm like well Who are these people who are on time? <laughs> Everybody has a, a a thing about being late. It's kind of funny. <laughs> that that I think I think it comes from where I am now, like the Netherlands, Germany, and Belgium. These people are on time. I always have to be like two hours. Like I always come super early because these people like are right at the minute. Oh, um, okay. So, so I think this. So I think was that culture here. shock for you when you were <laughs> you moved? <laughs> Yes, um, a little bit because for for work or for school, I'm normally early. Like we have that sense in Venezuela of like if you go to work, you have to be on time. Like we're very responsible like that. But when it comes to social events, if like seven means nine, you know, it's like right, it's, right. <laughs> it's not important. It's just like a hanging out. So um, so I have to realize that here when people say at six, it means six, and then they are planning to end at seven. So it's it's not like, oh, we'll see how it goes. So, um, any other uh, expressions from Venezuela? Yeah, I, actually I have one that um, I love to always explain to foreigners. And it's uh, it's it's something that you say when someone's really be, it's been like really annoying and going over the same topic over and over again. And it's, vas a seguir Abigail. And it comes from a telenovela that was on for so long, like years. And that's not normal for telenovelas. So it was like, oh my gosh, vas a seguir, Abigail? Like, are you going? Are you gonna keep going with this, Abigail? That's the name <laughs> of the show. So it's it's very funny, and it's um, it's something that, for example, my grandma will always say to me. So I think it's hilarious. Well, I have a, a personal one for me because I, I always like to know this word wherever I go because it's my favorite fruit. So. How would you say a uh, passion fruit in Venezuela? Oh, it's it's uh, it's actually parchita. 
Parchita. Okay. Yeah. So it's like parcha, but uh, smaller. <laughs> Parchita. Yes. I have to keep track of this. I have a running list of places to go and how to order passion fruit. Yeah. Another word that changes a lot is a straw. Oh, yes. Yeah, straw is very different. Someone just asked me that the other day, and I could only think of how it was uh, called in Puerto Rico because that's where I learned it. I yeah. know some places <laughs> call them like pajilla. Mexico uh -huh. is popote. For mm -hmm. us, is pitillo. Pitillo. Okay. Yes, but pitillo means drugs in other countries, so you shouldn't use it. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> so I figured I figured it out the <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I learned uh, straw is is a one that changes a lot. Also, oh, popcorn yeah. changes a lot. Okay. Yeah, in Puerto Rico, it's like sorbeto, so it sounds like really not at all like any of those other ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sounds very different. That's that's interesting. Yeah, like it's definitely, and that's what, that's again, that's why I always say like you've got to be really intentional, you know, with language, like um, yes. because you can end up in a lot of situations like unintentionally where you're saying something and you're like, but I know this is right, but you know, when you're a learner, you might not be aware because you just ask someone from Venezuela how to call it and they don't know because maybe they've only lived in Venezuela, right? So then yeah. you go somewhere else and you use the word and you're like, oh. So you mentioned you found out the hard way. That's not the word for straw other places. How did you find out? I know there's a story behind that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I was in Mexico with my family and my mom um, was with us and we were kids. We were like 10 or 11. It was with my cousins and my brother. And she asked to the person at the restaurant if he, if he could give us pitillos, a straw. And the guy was confused because it's this woman like lovely chubby cute woman with like five kids and she's like yeah it's for the kids and <laughs> the man was very very confused and he <laughs> told her he told my mom and us like we do not do this in here kids are not allowed to have those oh and my, my mom God. was more confused now because she's like what are you talking about <laughs> so somehow we figured it out and then my mom was so embarrassed we never went back in there and it was the closest restaurant to the hotel too so it was like a pity but <laughs> oh my gosh that's so yeah. funny yeah it's and that's the thing I think that you don't realize it until you have those moments but then you never forget it right you never forget. yeah <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and I can imagine that as a Spanish learner it's very confusing so um, I actually agree on that what you said just stick with the country and um just try to go with it. <laughs> and speaking of Venezuela, so I'm curious because we haven't talked about this in a while. I know when um, we talked a while ago, we met, um, there was a lot in the news about Venezuela, right? There's all the political upheaval and, and the president and all of this. So wait, can you give us like a quick update? Like what, how are things now? Because I know you still have family um, there. So what, what's uh, the situation in Venezuela? Because it's not really been in the news lately. Yeah, so the situation is more or less the same. It's um, very difficult to leave. It's very expensive right now. For example, um, everything is, a lot of people use the dollar. If you are in a good position, you can use the dollar, um, which is actually not legal, but everyone use it, uses it. Um, so for example, like a, a, like a can of Coke will, will cost you maybe $5, which is a lot. Like, wow. It's, it's more than in the countries where the dollar is used or it's more than the euro even. Um, so it's very expensive to get by um, with some things. 
Um, other things are still cheap and some other things you can still find, um, but it's, it's just overall hard. Plus it's not safe. It's not really a safe place to be. So um, you cannot really go out with your phone in your hand. Um, you cannot, you have to always be overly aware. And like my family always tells me like they don't go out at night anymore. So if it's after 6 p.m. when it's dark, people don't go out as much. Um, so it's it's a very difficult, I'm, for me it's kind of normal because I grew up with it and I mm-hmm. saw it um, gradually went down, go down. Yeah. So it's kind of normal. Um, and I also try to not read so much about the news because it's really hard when it's your own country. So. You know, yeah. like if I hear about Iran and other countries, for me, it's like it, it's terrible, but I don't feel it the mm-hmm. way I feel it with my country. So it's very difficult. Um, I think it's very difficult to to be there, but it's also very difficult to leave. So um, there's not like a right answer of what to do over there. It is really difficult to, to sort of, you know, keep up with the news and, and really what's going on. But I think it's unfortunately you know it's another one of those cultural things that people don't realize that a lot of latin america the way that uh unfortunately some sometimes the way politics happen is is just not the same as it is in the u.s and um right now everyone's you know very there's very politically divided time in the u.s as well and we have all of our sort of debates about it but it's not the same right it's not the same no Um, it's not the same because it it, it even even if in the U.S. it's not politically ideally right now, everything still functions and everything. You still, well, in most places, I I believe I I haven't lived in the U.S., but I believe that you can still have like a lot of opportunity and a lot of like, um, yeah, a lot of opportunity and a lot of like growth. Yeah. The lights don't go out here because people yeah. don't like the president, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, that's exactly. the thing people don't realize. Is that still an issue? Is there still an like, issue with the power and, and everything yes, in Venezuela? It's, it's always been an issue um, ever since I can remember. Um, ever since the, well, ever since I can remember, it's been this government. So for me, it's like, it's ever since I can remember. And yeah, it's always the power, the water, and the internet too. They mm-hmm. fail sometimes. Also because there's no maintenance and there is not more investment into the equipment. So even if like every, if, if the whole world right now will have 5G, we wouldn't get it. We wouldn't get it, at least not in the same quality because there's not the infrastructure to um, provide it. So it's very old, um, everything that it's regarding technology in Venezuela. Yeah, it's also, I know when I visit Dominican Republic, it's also a thing where, um, you know, the lights would just go out and yeah people it's just normal and i made a mistake i remember this one of my embarrassing stories so i was asking uh, right like what you know because i didn't i mean i knew that the lights went out there so i was really just trying to make conversation um so when i asked why the lights went out they thought i was saying they didn't pay their bill like the light bill <laughs> oh say so like no that we paid it just it just happened i'm like oh no i wasn't trying to be insulting i was trying to like you know, because I knew about it, I was trying to like, oh yeah, I can make conversation because I know this and they took it as like me trying to say they didn't pay the light bill. And I was like, oh, that didn't go well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also happens sometimes where, where there are a lot of political rise-ups and situations where um, just to piss people off, they will take the lights off. So 
um, uh, quite something. Wow. <laughs> it's a loaded question to ask also. <laughs> Porque yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's like, oh, where do I start, honey? <laughs> it's a lot. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, so don't ask that question if you're writing. No, it's too complicated. I learned, yeah, I learned the hard way, that one, right? It's like, oh, okay, se fue la luz. But at least you know what it means. It's, oh, se fue la luz. The lights are yeah. <laughs> yeah, people will well, spend a lot of stuff when. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Well, I don't want to end on a bad note. Then with that, I want to talk about some of the good things about um, being from Venezuela, or some of the things that you that make you proud to be from from where you are, even despite you know some of the issues the country's been having lately. Yeah, so for me, it's um, Venezuela. It, it was a country that was um, had a lot of immigrant influence influence. Um, we were welcoming where uh, the whole of the, the rest of the world was during a war. It was like the paradise to go where it was endless summer. And um, I'm, I'm very proud of that because it, um, it says a lot about my ancestors and it uh, says a lot about how um, little trouble we had with different races and different perspectives and different cultures. So um, I think that's amazing. And also... Venezuelans are very, um, have like an entrepreneur soul. So you will find in places where there are a lot of Venezuelans, like Madrid or Miami, you'll find a lot of stores that are owned by young Venezuelans because for us it's like, it's like the normal thing to do, to be a, an entrepreneur and to really go further than we can. Very cool. And um, is there, so you mentioned the Caribbean part and, I, and it's funny because I usually don't think of Venezuela when I think of the Caribbean, but there are some islands right in the northern part of the country. Yes, um, there are all the all the um, northern coast and we have, I think it's over 20 islands that um, are in the Caribbean. They're small and there are a few bigger islands like Isla Tortuga, Margarita. Um, so yeah, so I, for example, will spend all of my Christmas in an island and my family, I have family that is from the from the Caribbean side. It's very cool, I think, because they have like a little bit more, I don't know how to call it, like sazon, like a little bit more, yeah, more flavor. flavor. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually from, if you step in some places like in Aruba, in mm-hmm. Aruba, you can see Venezuela. It's very close. So maybe for those of you out there who are thinking, oh, I don't want to go to Venezuela because of all the, all the trouble there now. Maybe, you know, the Caribbean coast and checking out some of the islands there that are near Aruba would be a good way to experience the country without some of the, you know, security concerns. Yeah, exactly. Well, Mary, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, join me and to talk to us on the podcast. Um, if folks want to get in touch with you, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on YouTube as Mary Polyglot. That's M-A-R-I Polyglot. And then you can find me also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I post every week um, on YouTube and then every day on my social media on how to learn languages um, effectively. And I also share my own journey learning all the languages that I've learned and that I'm learning at the moment. Yeah, and it's amazing because if you follow Mari on Instagram, you will know all the different ways she uh, really does make language learning a part of her routine. I was watching some of your stuff with Japanese and like different languages. And so she's got some really uh, great tips out there. So if you're looking for a little inspiration or some great ideas of ways to incorporate language learning into your uh, daily schedule, definitely follow her on Instagram and check out her, her YouTube as well. A lot of very useful information. Thank you so much for having me. 
hope that conversation with Mari Salvestrini has really inspired you to keep going as you are learning Spanish. And also, if you heard uh, some of her stories that Uh, making mistakes is a part of language learning. And I say that so much now <laughs> that it's becoming cliche, but uh, even a native Spanish speaker from Venezuela going to a different country um, has had some embarrassing moments with the language. So don't ever feel bad about uh, getting something wrong because that's how you learn. That's how we grow. Next week, we will be continuing with another interesting conversation and we'll be talking about why it is that you may not necessarily have to relocate or even travel to become fluent in Spanish. So a lot of us think that if we hop on a plane or if we're just dropped off in a foreign country, that that's the best case scenario for full immersion for us to become fluent. Um, and while it can be an immersive experience, um, there's also a great argument for why this might actually um, not be the ideal way to learn a language to, to fluency. Okay, so we'll be talking about that next week. So as always, I hope that something you heard on the podcast will take you one step closer from being beginner to bilingual. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast at LearnSpanishConSalsa.com.